Welcome to Life Church Podcasts. We know you'll be blessed by this message. You can turn your Bibles today uh, for a beginning to uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse, 20, verse 21. And, uh, uh, and I just want to pray. So Lord, we just ask your blessing on this word this morning. Lord, every word that's spoken, every part of it. Lord, I know you want to speak into our hearts this morning through your word, so we open our hearts now to hear what you want to say to us individually. Bless it, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So, um, I've got a, a file on my laptop and on my iPad, and it's called... Uh, Sermons in a mess or not finished yet, and uh, it's full of it's full. It's got heaps of messages in there. Sometimes you read something and uh, from the Word of God, and you think, "Wow, wonder what that word means." That probably means this, and mate, I could preach a great message off that. And so you put it on a thing and start a message, and then you. You get your strongs out and look at it and the word doesn't mean anything like you thought it did and you think, oh, well, I don't know. Leave it there and so that's one, that's a mess or an unfinished that goes in that file and I've got hundreds of them but I've got one I've been working on for ages actually and, uh, and so a while back I was just reading through Proverbs and uh, I don't know how, how all you folk go. I mean, uh, do I assume that you're all really... Uh, switched on people and you're always spiritually alert and fired up and you just can't get to wait to get in and read the word of God each day and life runs so smoothly, nothing ever interrupts you and and you read the word and every word just is, wow, it's just blessing you. Are you like that or not? Because as your pastor, sometimes when you're really busy and you're really tired, and it seems to be at times like that, whole lots of other things come in to interrupt you. And, and there's times you read the word and you just, oh, I just want to go to sleep. I really do, but I've got to read. And, oh, in the land of the Philistines, you think, oh, I nearly went off then. And so, is anyone like me? And it sort of gets like hard work sometimes. And I, I just, uh, so when it's like that, I just like to... Um, Maybe just read a version that I don't normally read. I love my old, um, it seems silly, old New King James, but they are very old. And, uh, but sometimes it's just good to get another version out. Just, just look at it different. Get a, uh, a different uh, view of what you're reading. Sometimes I find that helps. Sometimes I find it helps just to read two side by side if you've got a Bible that does that and... Just look at what it says. And sometimes I just find that helps me when I'm uh, struggling along in it. And so I was doing that recently and I was in Proverbs 18. And, uh, and I love verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so I had the message out side by side as I was reading. And, uh, and I love what it says. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Well, like that, just makes it nice and simple, and uh, yeah. But death and life are in the power of the tongue, and so we, we need to be careful what we say 
and what we speak because uh, our words have great effect. And uh, God created the universe by speaking words. Like it's, it's seriously, our words can, you know, yeah. Yeah, everyone's got the flu, I'm bound to get it. Oh, yeah, I think I feel crook already. I'm sure I'd feel hot, I'm sure I'm a bit hot, yeah. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like you can hang it, just, yeah. We just need to be a bit careful how we talk sometimes. And so I was reading through the Proverbs and, and then I got into chapter 19 and I read the verses there. And then I got to verse 3. And so this is where I start this morning in reality. Verse 3 of Proverbs 19, The foolishness of a man twists his way and his heart frets against the Lord. I read that and I thought, wow, I've got a messed up, unfinished sermon in a file somewhere that I was working on and it made me think of it, this verse. And so then I looked in the, um, uh, live, the old Living Bible and it said, a man may ruin his chances by his own foolishness and then blame it on the Lord. And the message says people ruin their lives by their own stupidity so why does God always get blamed? And it's made me think, it made me think of my message. I thought, I'm going to find that message because that's what the message was about. It was about, uh, and I had a title for it. It was called the, the Blame Game. So that's the title of the message today, okay, The Blame Game. And I thought, I'm going to get it out and finish it. I just felt that I should do that, and uh, so I'm going to preach it this morning. But... Um, it's interesting, isn't it, to observe people go through things and the way they go through things, and myself, and myself, uh, always talking to myself as well. And uh, I must say, uh, you think, well, yeah, non-Christian people, they always blame God. It's not, not always non-Christian people who <laughs> blame God when life goes belly up because of some silly decision we make. And uh, where's God? Why is God... And we do, we blame God. And so uh, I just want to talk about that this morning. And um, I guess when I write my Marshall translation, I've got it half written, uh, of the Bible, uh, I would probably translate Proverbs 19.3, something like this. Um, People's lives get into a mess because of their stubborn self-will and unwise decision-making. And then they blame their mess on the Lord. Something like that. So... Uh, I just want to address those things this morning. And uh, am I over, overreacting about blame and et cetera, et cetera? I don't think so because uh, uh, blame is one thing, but it's really failing to take responsibility for something that's happened that we have caused. And so if we will not take that responsibility, the things that happen in our lives will cycle and they just keep going round and round and round. And uh, if we're going to fix them and we're going to do life well and we're going to grow and let the Holy Spirit do a work in us, we've got to take responsibility for our actions. We really do. So as far as blame goes, the first man, Adam, set a precedent, did he not? And uh, so let, let us go back to Genesis this morning in chapter 3. There's a few verses here, but I'm just, I haven't got time. I'm going to read them this morning. It's good to read the Word of God. And uh, really, I don't probably need to say a whole lot as I go through it because it probably explains, well, it probably, I think it explains itself very well. But let's read the Word of God this morning. 
Genesis chapter one, begin uh, chapter three, sorry, beginning at verse one, and we'll read down to verse thirteen. It reads like this: Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, "Has God indeed said?" You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. It's interesting, isn't it? And so often when you get in doubt, you need to work out where the doubt's coming from because there's no doubt in God's word, okay? God's word is clear and precise. Don't eat of the tree. There's no, you don't have to get the strongs out or anything. Like you, you just don't. And so uh, has God really said don't or does he mean something else? He's really putting doubt there. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it nor shall you touch it lest you die. Should have been end of sentence there. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. I find that a very interesting verse, verse 6. It was pleasant to the eyes. And so... uh, even today, when we want to sell something, we try and make it pleasant to the eyes, don't we? If we want to sell our car, we usually wash it and clean it up and make it look as good as it possibly can. Even if under the bonnet you wouldn't want anyone to look under there, you still clean the rest of it and only ever driven it to church on Sundays. And everyone, wow. <laughs> and we do that, don't we? Look good to the eye. The devil knows about looking good to the eye. He knows what to attract us with. And he knows the weaknesses of the human flesh, for sure. And so, um, pleasant to the eyes. Verse 7, And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, God said, and God said, He said, Who told you that you were naked? It's interesting, isn't it? Who told you that? Where did you get that information from? God didn't tell him he was naked or his wife. So it came from something he gained from disobeying, didn't he? He got knowledge that he wished he never, ever had. And, um, but it's, it's worth reading those chapters, you know, when you do your own reading. It's, just re- it's worth reading through Genesis because... The foundation of everything that happens today is in there. You'll find it back there. And, uh, and we've we got to learn, don't we, to act on what goes on inside us because, uh, you know, when, when there's doubt, when there's that... Yeah, and you know what I mean. Sometimes we've got to make a decision. And you think, oh, I'd sort of like to do that, but I don't know, I've got this 
feeling. And, uh, and it's not where I wanted to go in scripture this morning, but the peace of God really needs to be the key to the decisions we make. And Because if, if we can make one and say, well, I feel that's okay. I feel God's in that. I feel settled in my spirit. I have peace in my heart. Well, then I'll make the decision. But if I don't, and uh, many of you will understand and know that sometimes you, you face making a decision, you think, well, I don't know, I think maybe I should do that, but I've just got this, mm, you know what that mm is? It's just this something inside, and it's a check on you, and we need to listen to that and be obedient to what God says to us, because he will give us a way that gives us peace, I know that. And you can imagine Adam and Eve and... And the devil says, well, did God really say that? Are you sure that's what he said? Well, yeah, no, no, no. See, what he really meant, I can tell you what he really meant. That the day that you take it, you'll, you'll know everything like him and he doesn't want that. And so he starts getting to places in there where there was intrigue and there was, you know, and uh, we just got to let God be God and, and let it stay at that, you know? Like sometimes I know people get in a mess in Scripture because they go chasing things that, I don't know, I can't explain some things out, like outrightly simply. Um, I think I know what I believe about everything that the Bible says. But there's, you know, people get into the fallen angels and then they go to Jude and they read it there and they go back and... Were they this or were they that or were they the sons of men? And they spend years there and really who cares? You know what I mean? Like you can get lost. You just, sometimes you just need to leave things like they are. But in us humans there is an inquisitive thing that can get us into quite a lot of trouble sometimes. And so uh, and people know how to sell things on that basis, don't they? Have you vacuumed your floor? Have you vacuumed the carpet? Yeah, I have. I've got a vacuum cleaner here that will show you that you haven't. And so they vacuum your floor and then they show you the bag and it's half full of dirt. And you think, my goodness, I've got to buy this machine. You know, it's only a thousand down and a dollar a month for 40 years, but it'll clean your carpet. Like, they know how to get you, don't they? There's an inquisitor, there's a, there's a thing in us that just doesn't work well for us sometimes. We've got to watch that. Because I know they didn't have peace when they, when they took that fruit. Even if they had put it back or said, God, we've done the wrong, we've not taken it. You know what I mean? There would have been something in there. Whoa. You know what I mean, don't you? You've got that feeling and it's a check we should use. And so they heard the Lord God walking in the garden and, and he said, who, who told you that? And so we've got to be real careful where our information comes from. It's got to be godly. It's got to come from the word of God. It's got to be God speaking into our life. And because uh, the wrong information can get us into a lot, a lot, a lot of trouble. Uh, what did he say? And he said, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Adam should have answered, yes, we have. Sorry, Lord, but we, we did. I take responsibility. My wife took the fruit. I didn't stop her. I should have. I, I'm sorry. I've sinned. But he didn't say that, did he? Have you eaten of the fruit of the tree that I told you not to was the question. 
So Adam didn't say yes, did he? This is what he said uh, in verse 12. The woman whom you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. So in other words, it's not my fault. I did, but it's, it's no blame on me because the woman, it was her fault. <laughs> and so there's the precedent said. It's not my fault. It's someone else's. Would not take responsibility for what he did. And it didn't do him any good. And so, was Eve honest? Well, uh, uh, where are we in the, uh, get my eyes where I'm reading? And I ate, verse 13, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So, Eve told a half-truth. The serpent deceived me, which he did, and I ate. So you still can't say, well, I blame it on the devil and I'm okay. She still ate. The devil deceived her, but she sinned. She chose to do that. And so neither would in, in reality take uh, responsibility for what they had done. And, uh, you know, uh, when we make bad decisions, when we perhaps react badly to something that happens, to uh, uh, something that, uh, you know, happens in our life, whether it's something done to us or some situation and we react badly and are not, not in a way that, you know, perhaps we should. When we're tempted and, you know, maybe we give in to temptation at some stage and, and uh, we fall into sin, the, the thing that really, really matters and the thing that starts and where, where, where getting it right starts is, is uh, and it's a scriptural thing, is, is uh, what we call truth on the inside. Okay? Truth on the inside. Because uh, uh, it, it's very interesting. Like we can make out we don't know something, but inside we do. And uh, you would never have done that, would you? But, uh, you know, yeah. How fast were you going? This is an 80 zone, is it? Really? Oh, yeah. I think there might have been a sign back there, but I'm not telling him I saw that. Yeah. So we wouldn't do that, would you? But uh, you know what I mean? But the, the truth, we've got to be truth on the inside, on the inward part of us. There's got to be truth there. And uh, that's where it really, really, really matters. And uh, so, in the Bible, Psalm 51, and I want to spend the rest of my morning here in this psalm, because it's a great restoration psalm, this psalm. It's uh, a psalm of David after he sinned and committed adultery with Bathsheba and caused all sorts of trouble to uh, uh, lots of people, plus more, more even to himself, and did completely the wrong thing. And uh, you remember the, uh, the scriptural account of the prophet Nathan. God said, hey, David's gone and committed adultery and you need to go and confront him. And so uh, Nathan went and he told David the story of the little lamb, didn't he? And he said, hey, David, you're a just and righteous king and there's this family and they're just, they've got nothing, mate. They got, this, is, this is how I would... If, if I was the prophet, Daryl got sent to David. This is what I would have said. Hey, Dave, there's this family, mate, and they've got nothing but this little lamb. Nothing else. They haven't even got a car, mate. Just this little lamb. 
some rich blokes come along and rip the jolly thing off them and taken it away. Kids are broken hearted and they're so... So David, he was a shepherd. He, he, he knew all about little lambs, so his heart's connected straight away to what's been said. Well, tell me who this person is, or this, you know. He says, well, actually, we're talking about you, David. <laughs> and uh, he just was convicted straight away, was he not? And uh, he's, he, yeah. And praise God, he put it right. And uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a real, I don't know, example or picture of what not to do because... You know, God didn't say, well, that's it, I've had it up with you, you're cast out, I can't handle you again. And No, God didn't do that. God forgave him and God restored him. But the thing that he did sowed trouble in his life and a lot of trouble come out of what he did. And although God's willing to, you know, God's a God of mercy and grace and forgives, we can put trouble in our lives and we keep reaping the trouble for time to come. And so we really need to be careful. But Psalm 51.1. David wrote, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. You can almost feel the, the heart of David crying out to the Lord, Have mercy upon me, realising the, the gravity of what he had done. And I, that makes me think, any time you talk of mercy, I think of Ephesians 2.4. <laughs> God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us god is a god rich in mercy amen not a god rich and full of vengeance and fire he's a god full of mercy primarily amen so uh, verse 2 wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin and and this is where it gets really really real for i acknowledge my transgressions amen well, I did that, but it wasn't my fault. It was Bathsheba because she was out in the open having a bath. And what's a man supposed to do? So I did, but it's not my fault. He didn't do that. He said, I acknowledge my transgression. I admit what I've done. I confess openly to you, Lord, what I've done. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Real honestly. Didn't say the devil made me do it or anything like that. He owned what he did. Amen? And so restoration can start from that point. Against you only I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. That is so real. Primarily we, we sin, uh, we can affect our families and ourselves when we sin, but primarily we sin before God. And the reality of that really gripped David. And done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. A lot of people have a lot of comment to make about that verse, and uh, uh, some say, well, uh, his mother conceived him, and it wasn't to her husband, and so she conceived in sin. And that's why when Samuel went to Jesse and said, one of your sons is going to be anointed king, bring him in, he didn't bother bringing him in. Because he wasn't, and I don't know whether that's right or not. Some people who study scripture and seem to know more than me, I don't know where they get that. What I would take from that was that his mother was a normal lady. We've got a fallen nature, and so he was born with one like we do. That's what I would say. Amen. He's saying there, we've got a fallen nature. That's what he's talking about. 
Behold, you desire, and this is, this is where I really want you to get this morning. Behold, you desire truth in the inward part. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. My, uh, my translation of that would be something like this. You want me to be honest in that place inside of me, God, where only you and I can go. wants us to be honest in there. Amen? Really brutally honest. Some people we try to deceive themselves, truthfully, and it's pointless. It is absolutely pointless trying to do that and trying to talk yourself into believing something that's not true is crazy, but people try and do that. And some people tell lies and they become convinced in the end that they're telling the truth. Well, how crazy is that? That's where it gets, doesn't it? So, Because uh, you, you know, you just know that there's a place inside you where only you can go, and God can go there too. But only you can go. There's a place inside you where your husband and wife can't go, or wife can't go. Let me say that correctly with the idiotic day we live in. But there is, isn't there? There's a place that only you can go. And, uh, and we can know things intimately about each other. And I can look at my wife and I just know if I say something here, I know I'm in trouble when I get home. It's just a look. This is something I just, I can tell you. And you mightn't see it, but I would. And, uh, but I wouldn't know if your husband looked at you or your wife if you're in trouble or not, would you? Like you'd, yeah, there's just a place in here, um, though, where no one, even those close to us, know. It's, it's an intimate, really, really, really uh, 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 intimate place where only we can go. And we need to be truthful in that place, right inside. Because we can fight with ourselves in there. In our heart, in our spirit, we can fight with ourselves there. And uh, has anyone ever done that? Man, I've done that. And as a young man, I've wrestled with stuff in there and no one else would know what's going on. I can remember being at a youth camp one time and, and the preacher hanging me was preaching real good, you know, and, and he was preaching on a certain issue and I had problems with that issue and, and I just know there's some young ladies, there's some young men tonight and you need, to, you need to respond tonight and come out and nail this issue tonight and, and I wasn't looking, oh, I was, yeah, chewing me, chewing, and yeah, I'm cool, you know, like... <laughs> No one knows what's going on in here, and inside you've got this war going on. If I go out, people might think I've got a problem with this one thing he mentioned, and I don't. I wouldn't like anyone thinking that. And I've got this, oh, this fight, but he wants us to be truthful on the inside. Amen? In that place where only we and he can go, wants us to be truthful there. Proverbs 16.9 is an interesting verse. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Because God will give us wisdom on that inner part too. He'll give us a check. He'll give us information there that we've got a real peace with in here. You think, yeah, Lord, I know what I've got to do. I know. He'll give you wisdom in that place as well. Praise God. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. You love that? That's a beautiful verse, isn't it? <laughs> Praise God, that's beautiful. Should be whiter than snow. Isaiah 118. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. 
Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Prophesied three odd thousand years ago, yet reality for us today. Amen? Sin can be absolutely dealt with and far as the east is from the west. Make me hear joy and gladness, David said. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. What does what is David saying there that God's come and give him a hiding and broke some of his bones because he committed adultery? Because he said the bones you've broken, like, is that what he means? I don't think so. No, <laughs> doesn't mean that. The bones really are the uh, uh, said to be in the Old Testament anyway. The the uh, the seat of our emotions, the deepest part of our emotions, and. What's, what David's saying is that, you know, the gravity of his sin and the convicting of the Holy Spirit and everything that, that was just, he just felt broken. It was like his bones were broken. It was just, he was broken inside is what he felt. And uh, uh, he just wanted his joy back because um, he says in the uh, next verse, verse 9, Hide your face from my sins, blood out all my iniquities. Verse 10, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Uh, the, a right spirit is a, is a uh, loyal and steadfast spirit. You know, God, uh, God hasn't given us a scaredy cat spirit of fear, has he? It's a powerful, bold spirit that God has given us. And so David's saying, creating me a clean heart, and, and I want that bold spirit back in me, Lord, that, I've, that you know, I've got messed up and lost at this point. Verse 11, don't cast me away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And it, I, I can promise you folks that he's not going to do that. But we need to be repentant of our sin, don't we? And, uh, but it's verse 12 I wanted to get to because verse, verse 8, make me hear joy and gladness. So what David is saying is I haven't heard joy and gladness for a long time. I haven't. And in verse 12, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Praise God. Joy is an amazing thing, isn't it? And I can tell you today, folks, absolutely as a certainty that when God came walking in the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve have realised that they had done what God told them not to. They learned what disobedience was. They knew what it felt like to be rotten inside because they had disobeyed God. They knew that. They wished they didn't know it, but they did. And I can tell you that their hearts weren't bubbling over with joy. Because I reckon every other time that the Lord God came walking in the garden, he's here, Adam, he's here. Yeah, they were happy. When you see friends, when you see people that you love, you're happy, aren't you? Mum's home, daddy's home, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Something like that. Some other people pull up and you think, whoa, shut the curtains. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Be quiet, be still. We don't do that. <laughs> But I was in a place once where a lady did do that and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> oh, no, 
but such and such. Oh, no, quick, Pam, shut the curtains. That might have given you a clue who it was. <laughs> Close the door, everyone be quiet. Turn the telly off. Knock, 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 knock. Yeah, praise God. We, we, you've got to have joy, haven't you? You know, you've got, you've got to have joy. And, ah, uh, oh, man. Joy can nearly make you blow up sometimes, is that right? It, it can. It, it, does that make sense? It probably doesn't make sense. But you ever been so joyful you don't know how to express it? I lie in bed at night and think about my little grandkids and think, wow, can't believe. Can't believe that I've got these. You know? And come, comes, comes and goes. Sometimes when they, they jump all over me and half kill me, I'm probably not as joyful as I was in the middle of the night thinking about them, but you understand. The, you understand? <laughs> yeah, praise God. What did Nehemiah say? The joy of the Lord's my strength. Yeah. And we can lose the joy of our salvation. Unfortunately, we can don't have to we don't there's, there's not a that's never a foregone have to but there's times that we can I know I have done that and remember one specific time I, I really really lost it and it was a pretty miserable time in my life and and I just had no joy at all it was when I first was diagnosed as having type 1 diabetes and uh, to live on several injections a day for the rest of your life, they say, and I still believe God can heal me. I'm still, I'm not giving up on that at all. But when I got that news, I just got so down. I didn't want to lead any more worship. I didn't want to do anything. I just resigned everything I did in church. I just lost it. And... Uh, it was a horrible time, wasn't it? I just I didn't deliberately do it. I just felt so rotten inside. just felt horrible. And uh, there was an old fella in the church where we were. And uh, he's still a real friend and a mentor to me today. Dear old fella and, and uh, old Russell. And he would come and he would talk with me and he would pray with me and... Even when I didn't, because sometimes if you're in a, a snotty, sad mood, sometimes you want to be, don't you? You know, don't say things that are going to make me happy. I don't want to be happy. I'm sad. <laughs> I'm the, am I the only one that ever gets like that? No. Yeah. But I remember Pam saying to me one night, I can't handle this, Daryl. I can't handle this. I love you. I've never had a fight with you. We still never have done that, but she said, this is just breaking my heart. And uh, she said, God still loves you and everyone else still loves you and God can heal you, like, let's, let's you know. And she said, I was listening today to a, a, a record. I don't know if it was a record or probably a tape back then. That was the modern invention back then, wasn't it, a tape? 
and you just stick your bar or your pen in them and wind them up when they got stuck and all that. Yeah, everyone's laughing. So a lot of them got thrown out the windows of cars. When I worked for the DMR for a few months, hundreds of them down the highways, thrown out the window, <laughs> played up, jammed the machine. But it was a song by Don Francisco, uh, Speak Peace to My Heart, Lord Jesus. And I, she said, I just want you to go and play it. And I went and played that and I listened to it and I listened to it and I listened to it. <laughs> and I just was so sorry about the way I let myself get and uh, how broken I let myself get. It was a horrible time. But something happened to me and I just, listened, Lord, I just ask you to restore the joy of my salvation. Even if everything in the world's wrong, if I'm saved, I've got everything. And I just had to get to that point and I did. And it just all changed, the joy come back. It's just like I had a Mack truck lifted off my back. The weight was gone. You've been listening to Life Church Podcasts. For more information, head to lifechurchbanella.com.au.